Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Soundsington Media! Hey, Meredith, do you like driving? Do I like driving? Yeah, like, you know, driving cars or golf carts or snowmobiles. Mm, I love being in the passenger seat of a car and looking out the window while listening to great music. It's my favorite thing, Bri. So who's driving you around if you're in the passenger seat? You are! Okay, I just wanted the world to know. Thank you. Yeah, what about you? Well, I've been thinking about driving a lot because today's episode involves conversations around operating machines that move around, but on different planets. And in today's episode, we'll speak with a systems engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory who will tell us all about operating the Mars Perseverance rover from planet Earth. And we'll catch up with an actual rover itself, who has some pretty cool updates about life on the Red Planet. I'm Meredith Stepien. And I'm Brian Holden. And this is Reach, a space podcast for kids. Welcome to another edition of Reach, a space podcast for kids. Today's show is all about the Red Planet, from geology to exploration through NASA's Perseverance and Curiosity rovers. Meredith, you just named two rovers currently on Mars. But, fun fact, there are actually even more rovers on Mars. That's right. And we're wondering if you, our student listeners, could research the names of all of the rovers currently on Mars and then share your findings on social media. Be sure to tag us at Reach the Podcast because who knows? You might even get a galactic shout-out. Perseverance and Curiosity are pretty cool names for rovers, Meredith. But I'm wondering, if you could name your own rover on Mars, what would it be? Okay, Bri, if I had a rover on Mars, I'd have to name it Luna after our dog. That's such a great idea, because then everyone will have to recognize how awesome our dog is. And they'll also all obviously know that Luna, the second most popular dog name, is referring to our Our Luna. dog. Yeah. Cool. Well, we wanted to hear from our Reach community about what they'd name their rovers, you know, if they had rovers on Mars. So we asked our listeners, if you had a rover on Mars, what would you name it? Here's what they had to say. My name is Bella, and if I was going to name a rover on Mars, I would call it Lost because we have all been there. Hi, my name is Blythe, and if I were to name a rover, I would name it Taylor uh, because Taylor Swift. Wow, that's such a good idea to name one Taylor Swift. And every time the rover sends information, they can be like, here's some information about Mars, Taylor's version. These rocks are slightly wet, Taylor's Taylor's version. version. Okay, which brings us to today's guest. In autumn of 2021, we were thrilled to speak with Dr. Rachel Kroniak, systems engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, to share insights about the geological differences between Earth and Mars and why operating a rover is pretty complicated from millions of miles away. 
Dr. Kroniak, welcome to Reach. It's such an honor to have you on the podcast. So we have a pretty good idea of who you are and what you do, but for anyone who's just joining, could you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Rachel Kroniak, and I am a systems engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and I work on the science operations teams for both the Perseverance and Curiosity rovers. And so as it sounds, my job is to help operate the rovers. We send a set of activities up to each rover almost every single day. And essentially my job is to work with the team's scientists and engineers to build these plans of activities that we send up. It's a pretty complicated job. We have to make sure that we're making progress towards our mission objectives. We also have to make sure that we're managing the rover resources efficiently. So things like making sure we have enough energy to perform certain tasks like driving around with the rover or collecting data with our scientific instruments. And we also have to make sure that the rover gets enough sleep so that we can recharge our batteries every day. You might not realize it, but the rovers definitely need to sleep and even take naps during the day, uh, just like we need to sometimes. Uh, So we also have a lot of people involved in building rover plans. So my job is very team-oriented. We have a lot of people from different backgrounds, so my job is very interdisciplinary as well. And it's also a lot of fun. We see on, on Mars that no two days of rover operations are the same, so it's, it's always fun. Mars always keeps us on our toes. Unreal. Okay, so we have lots to discuss. So let's start with Curiosity, which has been on the Red Planet for literally over 3,200 souls. So first off, can you just tell us what is a soul and what is Curiosity up to these days? Yeah, absolutely. So a soul is simply a term that we use to describe a day on Mars. Days are overall pretty similar between Earth and Mars, but Mars's days are about 40 minutes longer than Earth days. And so, like you mentioned, Curiosity has been on Mars for over 3,200 sols, which is pretty impressive. We've actually been operating Curiosity since uh, she landed in 2012. And so over that time, uh, Curiosity has has driven 26,000 meters or a little bit over 16 miles. And in the past several years, in particular, Curiosity has been climbing a five-mile tall mountain in the middle of our landing site, Gale Crater. This mountain is called Mount Sharp and is made up of many layers of sedimentary rocks. And so as Curiosity is climbing Mount Sharp, we're essentially studying each rock layer as we climb and learning about how these rocks formed on Mars billions of years ago. And we're also interested to learn how they've been modified in the time since they were deposited. And so right now with Curiosity, we're at a very special transition on Mount Sharp, where at least from our orbiting spacecraft, we see a very distinct change in the minerals that make up the rock layers, which leads us as scientists to hypothesize that the ancient environment on Mars was changing. And so with Curiosity, we're hoping to study this transition in great detail as we're climbing Mount Sharp and learn more about Mars's evolution in the process. And it doesn't hurt that we're also constantly taking new, beautiful pictures of our surroundings around Curiosity. It really never gets old seeing new images of Mars. Another thing with Curiosity that's pretty cool is that we have the ability to drill into the rocks around us and analyze the crushed up material and powder inside the rover with our different science instruments. And so to date with Curiosity, we've drilled over 30 rocks, which is just an amazing, amazing accomplishment. 
Wow. So curiosity, uh, what they're up to is, you know, climbing a mountain. No big deal. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So you're also working on perseverance in missions operations, prepping to also collect some rock samples. So can you tell us about those systems and what you're learning? Absolutely. So Perseverance is Mars's newest arrival. We landed on Mars with Perseverance only a few months ago, back in February of 2021. Perseverance has been on Mars for a little over 200 sols by now. We've got some catching up to do to get on Curiosity's level, but hopefully we'll get there. Curiosity really laid the groundwork for what we're hoping to accomplish with Perseverance. With a Perseverance rover, what we're hoping to do is collect intact samples of Martian rock and soil for the very first time. And what we're going to be doing is sealing these samples in ultra clean sample tubes, storing them inside the belly of the rover, and we eventually hope to actually bring them back to Earth. And this is part of a huge international effort called Mars Sample Return, which is going to actually bring back samples of the Martian surface for the very first time to Earth so that we can study them here in our Earth laboratories. And so Perseverance is taking this very first critical step towards Mars sample return by identifying and collecting the samples that we hope to get back to Earth in about a decade or so. So we've been sending spacecraft to Mars for many decades now, and we've found that each mission really builds on the experiences and lessons learned from previous missions. Perseverance is by far the most complex spacecraft we've ever sent to another planet. As you might imagine, collecting and storing rock samples requires a lot of intricate robotic systems, and it takes a lot of hard work to operate Perseverance. And so, so far by SOL 200 or so, we've collected two rock cores with Perseverance, and we're hoping to collect several dozen more over the next few years with our mission. Wow, you're really planning ahead. It's so cool. So operating a rover on Mars sounds like kind of the ultimate driving experience. What is it like to control Perseverance from millions of miles away? Yeah, so it's it's quite a bit different than driving here on Earth. I don't think anyone will be too surprised to hear that. <laughs> um, so operating a vehicle on the surface of Mars is a pretty complicated process. We don't have the benefit of being able to send real-time commands because Mars is pretty far away. And it takes a bit of time to send and receive signals back from Mars, somewhere around 20 or 30 minutes each way. So it just wouldn't be very efficient to send a command up to the rover, wait for the rover to execute the command, wait to hear back from the rover about how that command went, and then send another. And so essentially what we do is we send an entire Sol's worth of activities at a time. And so at the start of our day on Mars, we send a set of activities that will occupy the rover for the rest of the Sol. These activities might include things like driving, using our remote sensing instruments, our cameras, using our robotic arm to take a closer look at our surroundings, or using our coring drill to collect a rock sample. We also rely heavily on the fleet of satellites that we have orbiting around Mars because they serve as really important communication relays and help transmit data from the rover back to us here on Earth. In a single SOL, we have several opportunities to transmit data back to Earth using these satellites as they pass over the rover in the sky. And then we use the data that we get back from these satellite passes to help us understand the state of the rover so that we can plan the next SOL's activities. Wow. Yeah, and so so no two SOLs on Mars are exactly the same, which definitely keeps us 
on our toes, uh, but it's definitely more fun than driving here on earth. (laughs) It's, It's really quite an experience to be, you know, one of the first few people to see new images on Mars and, and new data from a new place on Mars and knowing that you played a small part in getting there. So what are we learning about the geological differences between the Earth and Mars? Are we similar? Are we super different? What's it like? Yeah, so that's actually a really important question and I think really gets at the essence of why we're interested in exploring the planets and moons in our solar system. I think the more that we learn about Mars with our landed and satellite missions, the more we're actually learning that Mars isn't that crazy or alien of a place. Today, the surface of Mars is really cold and really dry because of its ultra-thin atmosphere. And Mars also experiences a lot of harsh radiation from the sun. So it's probably not a place you'd expect to find life today. In addition to that, one of the biggest differences between Earth and Mars is that Mars does not have active plate tectonics, which of course here on Earth, the rocks do have plate tectonics. And so the rocks are constantly being recycled by this plate tectonics process, which just isn't happening on Mars. The result of that, however, is that the rocks that we see on the surface of Mars are extremely old, much older than almost all the rocks here on Earth, sometimes by billions of years. So these ancient rocks on Mars offer a really unique opportunity to study environments that originated much earlier in the history of our solar system. And actually what we see in these environments on Mars are evidence for rivers, lakes, maybe even an ocean. And so the cooler part is that we think that these environments actually existed right around the time that life started to evolve and show up on Earth. So that naturally leads us to think, you know, did life also form on Mars too? That's really what we're trying to get at. That's what we're interested in. That's why we've been sending missions to Mars for so many years. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It would be so cool to find evidence of life on Mars, our neighbor. Okay, so October 2021 marks a solar conjunction where Mars will actually be behind the sun. So how does this affect the mission? Yeah. So as you know, Earth and Mars spend their time orbiting around the sun. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, we don't have any issues sending commands up to our Martian rovers and orbiting spacecraft. But every once in a while, about every two years, Mars actually ends up on the opposite side of the sun from us, and the sun physically blocks our view of Mars. And this is the period of time that we call solar conjunction, which lasts for a little over two weeks. And so the charged particles and plasma emitted by the sun could potentially interfere with the radio signals that we try to send to Mars. And so we we have the risk of endangering our robotic friends on Mars, which is something that we definitely don't want. So instead, what we do before we get into conjunction is we spend some time carefully planning two or three weeks worth of activities to keep our rover friends busy while we're out of contact and while Mars is behind the sun. So we won't be able to talk to the rover during conjunction, but that's okay uh, because we've we've definitely sent up plenty of activities for the rover to keep the rovers busy while we're behind the sun. Uh, The plans that we send up are pretty simple. We're we're mostly going to be sitting still with the rovers. We won't be doing any driving around. And we'll also be taking some measurements with our atmospheric monitoring instruments. So we'll still collect some data. And once we come out of conjunction, we'll be able to receive that data and resume our normal operations. And so on on the rover team, we like to think of it as sort of a mini vacation for our Mars robots and also for the mission operations teams here on Earth. 
it's a really great time and great opportunity to kind of sit back and reflect on what we've accomplished so far and, and strategically plan what we hope to accomplish once conjunction's over. Oh, it's like you're packing them a little suitcase with an itinerary. <laughs> like, go have fun, relax. Oh my <laughs> gosh, so cute. Um, so do you think that perseverance and curiosity will ever get to hang out and maybe give each other a high five? Oh man, as awesome as that would be, oh, that'd be great. But unfortunately, uh, curiosity and perseverance are separated by almost 4,000 kilometers or something over 2,000 miles. Curiosity landed in a pretty deep impact crater called Gale Crater that we talked about earlier. And unfortunately, curiosity will not be leaving Gale Crater. Perseverance also landed in an impact crater, uh, but it's smaller than Gale Crater. So we eventually do hope to leave and explore the regions beyond the crater. But I don't think that roving across the planet to Curiosity's neighborhood is is really in the cards. It's a bit too far. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think a robotic arm fist bump is in the cards for our Mars rovers. That's okay. They're so good solo. Um, <laughs> they can probably feel each other's presence from far away. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. So before we go, we just have one final question. What advice would you have for our young listeners dreaming about a career in space or science? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I I would definitely say to not be afraid to do difficult things. I've I've at least found in my experience that it's the challenges that we overcome that usually end up being the most rewarding. Surprisingly, I was never the best at math or physics even when I was in college. So I thought I was going to make a terrible scientist, uh, and it scared me honestly. But that was that was until I found what really inspired me, and that was Mars geology and NASA missions. Even when I was in school, though, I had no idea what careers might be out there for me. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a career in rover mission operations. Uh, but I pursued what I loved and ended up finding a job that's the perfect intersection of my skills and interests. So it's important to keep in mind that your dream job might not even exist right now. But if you follow your passions and work hard and are constantly pursuing new opportunities, you'll definitely be setting yourself up for success. Wow, there's something and, for everybody out there. Yeah, yeah. And I think regardless of your career path, uh, there are a couple of really important skills that you'll want to develop. Uh, first is communication. I think that's definitely the most important. And that's not just about standing um, at the front of the room giving speeches. I think it's equally as important to be a good listener and to really respect everyone everyone in the room's input. Everyone has ideas and experience that's very valuable towards what you're doing. And the second is to be a good teammate. So growing up, I played just about every team sport in the book. So from an early age, I learned the value of being part of something larger than myself. And so I actually think that that's a big part of the reason why working in mission operations is so rewarding for me. And it's important to remember that it's not always about winning. It's not always about success. It's about learning and growing together as a team too. And so sometimes that, that means disagreeing or overcoming obstacles, but it's all part of the process. And so I think to, to bring it back to the original question about advice, I, I would recommend joining some kind of club or some kind of team sport, something that will allow you to develop strong teamwork and communication skills that will help you become not just a better version of yourself in your job, but also in life. Yes, I love this. 
And one more thing, maybe I think I'm definitely biased because I was trained as a geologist, but I always encourage people to spend time outside. For me, I find a lot of inspiration and curiosity from exploring new places and hiking and camping and things like that. And so when I'm not exploring on Mars through my rover colleagues, the next best place is our own planet Earth. And Earth is pretty amazing. Yes, I, I just connect with it so much. I love that. Because um, really, yeah, what's more important than community and connecting with people and having a good relationship with the people around you? And I love exploring outside. It's my favorite thing, going for long walks. <laughs> Thank you again so much for joining us, Rachel. I mean, this has just been amazing. You're so inspiring. And um, I just can't wait for our listeners to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. What a great conversation with Dr. Rachel Kroniak from NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Thanks again, Dr. Kroniak. Whoa, wait, Brian, what's that noise? I was wondering if you could hear that. It's actually the sound of wind on the planet Mars, as captured by the Mars Perseverance rover. Whoa! In fact, I think I can hear the sound of the Perseverance rover, or Percy, as we like to call her, coming this way. I think I know where this is going, and I'm so excited. I think you're right. We're excited to be joined by another special guest on this week's edition of Did You Know? Today, we're joined by a very special guest who's been making headlines all the way from the planet Mars. Let's give a big reach welcome to the Perseverance rover. Hello, Percy. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks so much for having me, Brian and Meredith. Did you know that I launched from Earth on July 30th, 2020 and arrived safely on Mars almost seven months later on February 18th, 2021. My name, Perseverance, came from seventh grader Alexander Mather from Virginia, who won NASA's Name the Rover essay contest from over 28,000 entries. Cool. Wow, I did not know that. Did you know that one of my primary missions on Mars is to study a region called Jezero Crater by searching for signs of past microbial life. While I'm here, I'm also experimenting with natural resources that would be helpful in planning a human mission to Mars. Wow, that's amazing. And it sounds like you've been busy. What is a day like in the life of a Mars rover? A day in the life with me looks like this. When I wake up, I go for my daily MMW, which is my morning Mars walk. I clear my head and get ready for the day. If I'm really feeling it, I'll hit up Planet Red Theory Fitness to get a good pump in. I spend a lot of my days writing a lot of children's stories about living on Mars and, you know, what it's like and how cool it is to live here. Then I'll grab lunch at Galaxy Gourmet. Then I'll take a nap because naps are very much needed. Then I will watch some of my favorite TV shows like Real House Aliens of Pluto or Fixer Upper Spacecraft Edition because I'm always looking up for ways to spruce up my home decor. Then I spend some time space-timing my friends, chatting a bit about our days and just catching up. And then next thing you know, the day is done and it's time for me to catch some Z's. Thanks so much for joining us this week on Did You Know? P-p-p-p-parsi out! Peace. Percy, you're so cool. Wow, Meredith, that was a really cool discussion with Dr. Rachel Kroniak. I know, I'm so lucky. And also, it's just so cool to think about working with rovers from so far away. The more we learn, the more questions we have. 
And if you, the listener, have science or space-related questions, we'd love to hear from you. Just get your parents' permission and give us a call at 312-248-3402. Leave us a message with your first name, where you're from, and your question for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. You can also send questions via email to reachthepodcast at gmail.com. We'd like to acknowledge that not everyone has access to computers or the internet. So if you're not able to get online, many local libraries offer publicly available internet access. Thanks for joining us on Reach, a space podcast for kids. We're your hosts, Meredith Stepien and Brian Holden. This episode of Reach was written by Sandy Marshall with Nate DeFort, Meredith Stepien, and Brian Holden. Reach is produced by Nate DeFort and Sandy Marshall, who's a solar system ambassador for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory and edited by Nate DeFort. Our theme song and additional music was composed by Jesse Case. And our logo was created by Stephen Lyons. Special thanks to Dr. Rachel Kroniak, systems engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. You can follow Dr. Kroniak on Twitter at Rachel Kroniak. And catch the latest updates on NASA's Mars missions at nasa.gov. We'd also like to offer a special thanks to Kay Ferrari and Sarah Marcotte at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory and to everyone at NASA Space Place. And a big thanks to the teams at NASA for creating and publishing an incredible Mars playlist full of real sounds from the Red Planet where you can also hear what you would sound like on Mars. Check the link in our show notes for more information. Percy was voiced by Melissa Melly Victor, creator of Stoop Kid Stories, a story podcast with an all-new season that just started yesterday and is available wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Stoop Kid Stories on Twitter and Instagram at Stoop Kid Stories. And as always, a big thanks to the Reach Learning Community for all those great rover names. And Brian, side note, did you know that the largest known asteroid is over 600 miles wide? That's like almost as far as the distance from Birmingham to Dallas. Wow, okay. You knew that? Yeah. You didn't? It's also like Kansas City to Denver. Oh, okay. Or wow. twice the distance from Cleveland to Indianapolis. What's with you in these driving distances between cities? I have always known this. We've talked about this, right? I know every driving distance from every major American city. Okay. Well, if you're enjoying Reach, be sure to tell your friends and leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice. Or share an episode on social media. And if you'd like to find us online, visit at Reach the Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or on our website at ReachThePodcast.com. Reach is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to SoundsingtonMedia.com. We've all been there. You're standing in a museum, staring at a painting, and all you can think is, I don't get it. To me, knowing the story behind an artwork is a huge part of knowing how to look at it. I'm Amanda, the host of the Art of History podcast, where we view history through the lens of some really great works of art. Each episode, we dive deep into the bigger picture behind some familiar and maybe not so familiar pieces. Check out Art of History now wherever you get your podcasts.